0: I skipped class on many Fridays, and my mom and I would go do other things. We would go to museums, or we would go to the beach, or we would go listen in to um, guest lectures at the University of Washington, and we kind of did things outside of school. And so I think I always felt like, like school was okay, but it wasn't like I was so involved in it. I was always a little bit on the outskirts.
1: That was Maya Bittner, talking about the importance of balancing formal education with real-life experiences from a young age. Maya is the co-founder of Pinch, and was previously the co-founder and chief technology officer of Rockspots. She's super passionate about early-stage startups and empowering women in tech, and Maya runs a brunch meetup called Series XX, which is really interesting, and it connects female investors, founders, and engineers. I think Maya has a really interesting journey and also has a lot of advice for those of you who want to know how to best find access and create opportunities for yourself. Let's get into it. Thanks for joining me again, Maya. I really appreciate having you on and really excited for the conversation we're going to have today.
0: Yeah, excited to chat.
1: Awesome. Um, so I just want to start off by asking, to set a bit of context, um, what sort of work you're into and what sort of stuff you're doing right now?
0: So right now I'm the co-founder of Pinch, and Pinch is trying to help bring millennials better access to credit and better access to products. So what we saw, I've started with my co-founder, and we are obsessed with the new sharing economy where you're renting all kinds of things, right? So... San Francisco right now yeah. is infiltrated with rental scooters, like Razor scooters. Um, and we also, we don't own cars, right? So we rent cars, we rent Vespas, we rent furniture for our office, and we we love this access over ownership idea. And so it's really fun, but the bad part about that is that if you rent everything, instead of using credit to buy it, you don't have a good credit score. mm and then you can't get affordable loans. And so that's kind of what we're working on at Pinch is we've got this big needy problem and we're trying to solve it so that millennials aren't misjudged by the credit yeah. bureaus because they have different lifestyles.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's really relevant, um, particularly looking at the way things are moving um, into a bit more of a shared economy with things like you know Uber, Airbnb, um those sort of stuff where we're starting to move towards um a different way of consuming products and services um and I think what you're trying to bring to bring to the game essentially is really relevant for the way things are headed so yeah it's really exciting to see what you're what you're working on um but what I kind of want to break down by talking to you is sort of what got you to where you are um today and the process behind how you've ended up starting up um pinch so as a starting point, why don't we just talk about, um, you know, where you grew up and what your childhood experience might have been like? Yeah.
0: So I grew up in very rural Washington state and I think the most relevant part of my childhood was, you know, we really, we got internet access when I was probably eight or nine. And yeah. so I was kind of just growing up, you know, we had dial up internet. Um, It was very new. It was very exciting. And what I became obsessed with was selling things on eBay. And the cool things about selling things on eBay was it really showed me the power of the internet to make money. And particularly, right, I was like a 10-year-old child. um, And I was selling like really rinky-dink stuff on eBay. I was selling like toys and uh, video games and Just books, random things. I was most of the things I sold were like fifteen dollars. Yeah, it wasn't a crazy operation, but I got money for something I did on the computer, and it just felt like this magical experience. And early eBay was very community driven, um, so it was really fun. And that was definitely what got me hooked.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And did you find that you know, particularly from a younger age, you showed a lot of that? um desire to engage in that sort of um i guess business relationships but also in a bit of a creative way because i don't think many 10 year olds would have um had the initiative to get on ebay and start selling some of their some of their stuff
0: well it's it's an interesting question so my family is extremely social they're very very talkative and they're very good at sales so yeah. We used to do, you know, you would do like fundraisers and things in in middle school. And my family always won first prize and sold the most cookies or whatever yeah. it was. Um, so it was always like that. But then within my family, I was the nerdy, weird one. I was the antisocial one who couldn't talk to people and wasn't as good at selling things. Mm. So I had kind of grown up like watching how sales worked on this interpersonal level and having all of this experience with people who were really good at creating these business relationships. Yeah. Um, I was the one on the computer in the corner and kind of like I had to sell mediated through the internet because I wasn't good enough to sell face-to-face. So that was kind of like the context I had growing up, which is kind of funny not like I was better at selling than, than everyone else. It's like I was worse. And that's why I was on the computer.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's interesting as well to see how you sort of came up with that alternative to embrace your skill set um, from that young age and use it in a way that otherwise you might not have been able to engage in.
0: Right. And it just so turned out that having computer skills turns out to be very valuable at this time in history. Um, But it's really lucky and I was really kind of using it as a crutch so that I didn't have to talk to people as much.
1: Yeah, definitely. And did you find yourself, um, you know, when you were 10 or even when you were younger or older, having sort of conflicting interests to what the rest of your family and sort of inner circle had?
0: I did. And, you know, like I said, I grew up in rural Washington state. I grew up in unincorporated territory and... Always from a very young age, everyone knew they were like, you know, Maya. She likes cities, and she's going to live in a city. Yeah, and I love cities, and I loved how there was so much going on, and there were so many people, and they were pushing things forward. And I felt kind of alienated living, mm. you know, on fifty acres in the middle of the forest. Uh, and so I was always very excited about cities, and you know, in some ways I'm glad I didn't grow up in a city because I wonder if it would have been so stimulating that I wouldn't have had to find entertainment in computers and other things. But yeah, I live in San Francisco now and I have for a long time and I definitely love living here.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting you say that now, because I think, um, obviously across the world in a lot of areas, um, we're living in very stimulated worlds, um, both virtual and real. and so it's interesting to think about what sort of impact that might be having on people growing up. Have you given much t- thought to the impact of um, having these really stimulating environments from a really young age?
0: You know, I, I haven't really. I I do think, so when I was growing up, we, um, we didn't really have TV. So we didn't have cable TV. Uh, we had you know, an antenna that got seven different channels and I grew up just next to the Canadian border. So half of the channels were in French, half were in English, and it was all the Canadian public broadcasting. So I didn't really have TV, but we had video games, we had computers, and we played outside. So I actually kind of love my childhood, which was, it wasn't like we were Luddites that didn't have technology, right? Because we had all the video game systems we had all the yep. computer but it was stimulating kind of an engaging way we weren't just like sitting in front of the tv you know not doing um you know critical thinking and things like that we were either playing outside or we were playing video games or playing on the computer
1: yeah definitely and so th- we'll sort of like gone through what your experience was like as a child particularly in your um, home environments but what about school um and maybe like starting out with um your your younger schooling days and how you felt like that went for you.
0: Yeah, I so elementary school was fine. I was um kind of I was like put into the like gifted children's program, which I liked and was interesting. And I feel like I yeah. got a lot of rules bent for me. And so I liked that. Um For much of elementary school, my mom would actually take me out on Fridays. So we were supposed to go to school Monday through Friday, but I skipped class on many Fridays, and my mom and I would go do other things. We would go to museums, or we would go to the beach, or we would go listen in to um, guest lectures at the University of Washington. And we kind of do things outside of school. And so I think I always felt like, like school was okay but it wasn't like I was so involved in it I mm. was always a little bit on the outskirts
1: yeah definitely and what sort of impact do you think that had like having those sort of experiences outside of the classroom um you know every Friday or whenever it it was that you would go out and do those things
0: you know I think it was very motivating because I got very frustrated with lots of parts of school and it was It was fine in elementary school, but I actually really struggled with middle school and high school. I felt like Hmm. so many things that they were having us do were making me stupider. I refused to do worksheets. I refused to do lots of stuff. I didn't want to go to high school. And I think that maybe those experiences showed me that it's not that life sucks, it's just that... School might not be ideal, but that the world is amazing and interesting and engaging. And there's so much out there that you can go, that you can go see and that you can go engage with.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really interesting that um, you, you had that experience where you had that realization um, going through high school as well. Because um, I know that a lot of us do get sucked into and do get so invested in um, you know, getting those great grades and getting that, um, into the perfect college that you want to, um, that we kind of forget about how important it is to just go out and experience the world as well.
0: Right. And it's school is fine, but it just needs to be contextualized. I think as a part of your life, it's not all there is to life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, In terms of, um, again, just like playing on the time you had in high school, um, what was going through your mind in terms of um, where you were going to next? So, Like maybe in your later high school years or even in your earlier high school years, um, did you have an idea that you were going to end up doing what you were?
0: You know, I didn't, though in retrospect it seems really obvious. But in high school – you know, I was still so I was still selling things on eBay and I was actually doing that at a much bigger scale. I was selling things on consignment for other people as well as hunting them down at garage sales and at businesses that were going out of business. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that you know, that I could the pace that I could learn things at was so quick on my own. And so I really wanted to work. I was just really excited about working because I thought that I would learn so much. And I kind of thought it, it didn't even matter what I did for work. Yeah. I wanted to work in a bakery. I wanted to work as a landscaper. I wanted to work as a mailman, just kind of have those variety of experiences. And I knew that no matter what it was, it would be new and I would learn a lot. So that's what I was focused on for a long time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And in terms of, as you mentioned, you know, you you were feeling that, you know, high school wasn't really doing it for you. Um, the stuff that you were learning wasn't really enlightening you um, in the way that it should. How did you sort of deal with your conflicting experience as opposed to, um, you know, what the status quo was in terms of um, everyone just sort of doing what they had to
0: yeah, I mean, it was, it was terrible. So I did a couple of different things. Um, I think the most interesting thing that I did is with some teachers, I made a deal with them at the beginning of the year. So I would say, you know, I don't, I'm not really excited about doing the class and the participation grade, and I refuse to do worksheets. But I would say if I get every question right on the final exam, then I get an A in the class. And if I don't get every question right, then I get an F. And so this is the risky bet. And and most of my teachers took it. Uh, They were happy to do that and abandon the sort of rubric that was like, your grade is composed of 20% homework and 20% class participation. I was like, look, let's just do the final exam. Yeah. And I did that for some, and then I didn't go to very much class. Um, I was often in detention, actually, not for any good reason, but my school, it, you automatically got bit- detention um, for every three tardies you had. Yeah. And we had four classes a day, so I would usually be late to or miss all of them. And then I had detention every day, so that was kind of a drag.
1: Yeah, definitely. And how were you using your time that you weren't going to class for?
0: So a lot of it was on eBay. Some of it was on different websites. So uh, I was very enthusiastic about Flickr in the very early days of Flickr. So before Flickr was launched, uh, the team was actually working on a project called Game Never Ending, which was this very amorphous game um, that really – revolved around photo sharing and that's where the idea for Flickr came from. And so very interested in game never ending. Um I was very interested in there was a website called Metafilter and Ask Metafilter, which was like a forum site and a Q&A site from way back in the day. I mean this was like two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Um and I just spent a lot of time online.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like moving on from uh your high school days, which I I get the feeling that you kind of were excited to, um, get high school over and done with, and then move on to, you know, whatever else the world had in terms of opportunities for you. Um, what were your next steps? Like, where did you go after that?
0: So I didn't want to go to college Yeah. because I was like, look, I looked at formal education. I think it's broken. Um, I think I can learn more on my own. I wanted to, you know, have those jobs in a bakery or things like that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: But then I was worried that if I didn't go to college, that people would think that I wasn't smart. Mm. And so my plan, which made sense to a 17-year-old, was I was going to apply to Harvard, Stanford, and MIT, and then I wasn't going to go to any of them. I was just going to get accepted to these schools, and then I was going to go work in a bakery or whatever. Yeah. So this is my plan, and I don't know if you know, but uh, of course, when you're applying to colleges, you get all of these glossy brochures in the mail with college students sitting on the lawn and, and things yeah. like that, inundated. And so one day, I got a pamphlet in the mail, but it looked very different from all the other pamphlets. So it was shipped inside of an electrostatic bag, like the bag that computer parts are shipped in. Yeah, Okay. And you open up this bag and then inside of it, there was, instead of being a glossy brochure, it was this like crinkled craft paper that had duct tape and coffee stains on it. <laughs> and on the cover, it said, what's the one thing cooler than getting into Harvard, Stanford, and MIT? And I was like, how do they know my plan? Right? Like, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: open it up to see what the answer is and it says turning them all down to help build the Olin College of Engineering and it said Olin College we think that education is broken and so we're trying to fix it there's no tuition there's no tenure there's no departments everything is interdisciplinary it's very small it's team-based it's Open book exams—it's—it's it's all these ideas that I was really excited about, and that I had even tried to champion at my high school. I had tried to encourage that we would be allowed to use textbooks during tests or the internet yeah. because it was our resourcefulness that was more important than memorization. And so yeah. this really spoke to me. Uh, I ended up applying to Olin, and I was accepted. And so that's where I went for college. Is I went to Olin College of Engineering and. It turns out at an engineering college, there's a lot of engineering. I'm actually more yeah. interested in pedagogy and learning than I am engineering, but I ended up taking a lot of engineering classes because that's what you do. Um, but that was fine. And I'm really, I'm really happy that I went there. I really think it, there couldn't have been a more perfect school for me.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I think that by the sounds of it, you definitely found the right fit um, in terms of going to something after. After high school and I think a lot of people even like particularly myself um, just having just finished high school at the end of last year found that same sort of dilemma where we I was like I know that you know getting a a college degree or or something isn't really gonna be the most effective thing for what I need going forward Um, but I also needed that sort of validation that sort of credibility um, so that you know people would know that I'm not just someone who didn't want to go to college because. I was too lazy or couldn't be bothered to.
0: The tricky dilemma tricky to be in.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I am I know that and I'm sure that there's definitely a lot of people, particularly these days, that are going through and finishing up um, college now where there's so much talk about, you know, what technology and automation is going to do, the workforce of the future is going to look so different. Um, and it's pretty clear that we're not being sort of prepared for that with the right skill sets. Um Looking at how you then moved into getting your first jobs and getting into, um, yeah, ultimately getting into where you are now. But what was um, your your first job, and how did you end up getting it?
0: Right. So I went. I went to Olin College. Uh, yeah. And I did freshman year there. And after my freshman year, I actually an early-stage internet startup called Spock, which was out here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And so I came out here to do my internship, and I ended up just falling in love with startups and with Silicon Valley and with that whole scene. And so what happened was after so after that freshman year, I ended up taking a year off to work full-time for internet startups. So I became the director of marketing for Spock yeah did that for fall and then I became a product manager at a music search engine called SeekPod. and I wasn't sure whether I should go back to college or not. I ended up deciding to go back to college and it was a very good timing because it was the fall of two thousand eight and the yeah. worldwide financial markets were crashing and it was a good time to be in school, yeah um. But as soon as I was back in school, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I love internet startups. I love San Francisco. Yeah. And I can't So it was very easy. I mean, and it was very reassuring to have my path laid out. Since before then, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what type of engineering I wanted to study. I didn't know what jobs I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel very fortunate that I got that relatively early. And that set my path for the rest of college. And then when I graduated, I came out to San Francisco right away.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and in terms of getting that those um, internships and those opportunities at the the internet startups that you did work with, um, did you apply to many that you didn't get into, and was. Um, What was the process in terms of actually getting involved in these sort of opportunities? I think a lot of people um, go through the, at least in Australia, I know, go through formalized pathways of getting internships um, with really big firms and really big companies. And there can be a a lot of lost value in those experiences because you don't really get the attention or the experience that is most valuable. Um, Whereas for me as well, I recently had an internship at a startup um, in Melbourne, and it was great because it was such a small team, um, and you got to really interact with everyone and really get um, your hands dirty with um, the important work. But yeah, what right. was your experience in terms of yeah searching searching for the internships and searching for those sort of jobs, but then also what sort of value came out of that?
0: Yeah. Um, so I I definitely had a ton of responsibility, which was amazing. So yeah. I applied to a bunch of internships. Um, I think Spock was the only internship that I was accepted to.
1: Yeah.
0: And I had the summer internship and I had so much responsibility. And so that was really motivating to me. Mm. Um, I was looking at the number of signups for the website and being responsible for that. And I just wanted to work harder than I had ever wanted before. You know, I was... I love seeing the impact that my work had had, right? The better ideas yeah. I had and the harder work, the more signups we got. While at school, it's like, well, the harder you work, you know, you get a better grade. But I was like, this doesn't matter at all. Why would I bother to do this? Yeah. And it just didn't feel like it had an impact. So exactly. yeah. I love that. And what ended up happening is so I had all this responsibility. And at the end of the summer, my boss was the director of marketing. And she was going to uh, business school starting in the fall. And I was supposed to go back to school that fall. And one of the co-founders said, Maya, I'm losing my director of marketing. Can you please hire a new director of marketing for me? Yeah. And I said, sure thing. Like, what do they need <laughs> to be able to do? And he said, well, they need to be able to do everything that you can do. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, I can do everything that I can do. And he said, yeah, but you're going back to school. And I said, you know, I don't have to. Yeah. And so that's how I became the director of marketing at Spock.
1: Yeah. And was this, that's really, that's a really interesting um, story of how you actually got into it. Um, Where how, how far along um, in terms of experience and um qualifications did you have when you were um, offered that sort of position
0: so I had been working there as an intern for about three months yeah but otherwise I didn't really have any real qualifications you know my only other jobs had been teaching snowboarding and being a soccer referee yeah and so I never had professional jobs before um, I did have all this experience selling things on eBay and making websites for fun and things like that so I had some relevant experience at a year of college um, but I wasn't I didn't really have any professional experience at this point
1: yeah for sure and I think the important thing to note there is um, that as, as you said um, the co-founder asked you to go out and hire someone and if you were to apply for that job as someone who had never worked there and had that three month experience even if you've had um, experience working somewhere else, you probably wouldn't have got the role of being the director of marketing. I would assume. (laughs) Um, I think it was actually the experience of being able to interact and for them to understand how you as a person best fit in with the startup and with the people there um, that carried a lot more value than the experience you had.
0: Well, exactly. And you know, that's what I did for the next job too. So the next job, it was a music search engine, and it was really kind of the hot startup at the time. And so I really, really wanted to work there. Yeah. And I, know that. I said, look, I was like, I would love to come work for you. And I said, I'll do anything. I'll be an unpaid intern, um, you know, because I just I just want to help build this company. I just want to be a part of it. Yeah. And they, they were like, you know, we're not hiring right now, but... We seem kind of interesting, you know, and like maybe we could have an unpaid intern and I interviewed with them and I did as part of the interview process, I did like a take home project um, and kind of worked back and forth with them. And I think they were very impressed with the work that I did and the experiences that they had had with me. And so they actually offered me a full-time position as a product manager yeah. Um. Because we, they liked what they saw, right? And so this has kind of been a strategy I've had a lot, which is, and is a good sales strategy. It's you don't ask for very much, um. But then you kind of sell someone on you, and what then you, you can give. You can, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I. It's interesting that you actually say all of that because those are exactly the same sort of things that I've done as well. Um. In terms of looking at places that. Um, at least for me, I resonate with in terms of my values and um, the impact that they have, and being a, an organization or a company that I would want to get involved with. And whether there's been a job opening or not, um, I've just been persistent in terms of showing my value um, and just reaching out and seeing what happens. Ultimately, you do get obviously a fair few no's. Um, that's just how it goes. But there are, you know, it's better to get one or two yeses out of like 30, for example, rather than not have anything. Um, And especially if they're the sort of places that um, you want to go and work with.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I have to say, I think you and I might be pretty similar. Yeah. Um, And I was reading some, some studies. It's very interesting. And it says that the best entrepreneurs are people who are kind of underestimated by the status quo and the current way of evaluating people. and So it's yeah. people who, like, don't look very good with traditional metrics, yeah, like your school and your resume and things like that, um, but are actually extremely capable, mm. just are consistently underestimated. So I thought that was really interesting and might be relevant to both you and I. Yeah,
1: and surely f- for a lot of other people as well. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, it's important to be aware of that, particularly if you're um, someone who does fit into that category but doesn't really have that sort of support network to be able to help you realize that your skill set and what you have can be really valuable
0: right and it just might mean it's like if other people aren't believing in you you might just need to do a little bit of work to make your own opportunities but it doesn't mean that it's a dead end it's just a different path.
1: yeah yeah exactly and it's just about understanding you know, what you can actually do to go out and either, you know, find opportunities or create them for yourself. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there anything else that you might have wanted to touch on Maya?
0: Well, only that, um, so my last company as a co-founder at Roxbox and it just happened in exactly the same way as my other jobs. I, met Meg. She's a co-founder and CEO. She had started the company and she hired me as the first employee. So she actually hired me as a UX designer.
1: Yeah.
0: And we worked together for a couple months and it was just working really well. We really loved working with each other. And so it was then after a couple months that she invited me to stay on as a co-founder and as a CTO because, you know, I had been the first employee and so I was there from the beginning and she was like, Maya, you should be my co-founder. And so that was my first co-founder role. And it's kind of a funny title because I hadn't actually started the company and started Yeah. It. And I was just the first employee and it just worked out really well. And we knew enough to recognize that opportunity and jump onto it. So this is a strategy that I've used a lot in my life.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, the stories that we've sort of talked through, I really definitely really useful and paint an important picture for whoever's listening in. Um, but I just want to ask two, two last questions to put it into something that um, is really practical in terms of um, the sort of things that we've been talking about. So first of all is that, you know, if someone is pretty clear on what their passions are and what their purpose is, but has got no experience um, working in those areas um, in terms of experience that would be recognized by a company or an organisation what sort of things can they do to either get involved with a company they really want to or maybe even start something uh, up themselves?
0: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, to get involved with a company that you're excited about, if it's an early-stage startup, to be honest, you don't need their permission really to start providing value. So if you want to do marketing for... Um, For a company, it's like, well, you know, you can start creating campaigns and writing blog posts if you don't even have a job and you can start putting that out there and it'll get people's attention and they'll start noticing the work that you're doing and the traffic that you're bringing and that'll be an advantage. Um, And, you know, if you are a web developer, you can like build tools off their website, you know, like there's ways to to prove that you're an interesting person who can create things of value. Yeah. um, Even before you get an interview.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And then my advice for starting your own company is honestly just to just do it. You know, it's like, there's no barrier. Like the way that you start a company is you just say, hi, I'm Maya and I'm starting a company. Um, And that's all there is to it. And I think people get a little bit intimidated at, the barrier or some sort of perceived bar and it's like you just run forward and do it
1: yeah for sure I like that I think um yeah it sort of just ties together the sort of things that we've been talking through in in a really practical way um and the very last thing that I wanted to ask that I think will be really useful for those of us listening in is if you're someone who isn't clear on what you want um, in terms of like, you know, what you really care about, the impact that you want to have and what you might want to work in. What are some ways that you can actually go about trying to figure that out?
0: Yeah, I think you can just try lots of things. I think it can be very hard to predict in advance. Yeah. And like I think I was lucky that I kind of found it pretty early. But it's one of those things that I think you, you can't sit and pontificate and figure it out. I think you just need to try stuff and when you find something that really resonates with you and that you're excited about working on, you're gonna know it.
1: Yeah, for sure. That sounds awesome. And yeah, I really wanna thank you for having this sort of conversation with me. I know that I definitely learned a lot um from yeah, bouncing, you know, stories and ideas off each other and yeah, just learning from your experiences as well. So I really appreciate you coming on.
0: This was cool. I never get to talk about my childhood, so
1: Thanks so much for all the
0: conversation.
1: Yeah, not a problem at all. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. I do want to ask you to please leave a review for this podcast. Um, One, it really helps with being more visible on people's feeds and whatever podcasting apps they use so more people can benefit from the discussions we have. And also, let me know what you think, like whether the stuff that we talk about is actually helping you. And if there's any other topics you want to hear about or any sort of people you want to hear from. Thanks for listening and hope you guys have a good week ahead.